The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Good morning. Uh, My name is Jeff Long. I have the privilege now of sharing the word of the Lord with you as a part of this worship service. We're in Galatians chapter 5. I encourage you, if you would, to take a copy of the scripture. If you don't have one, there is a a Bible underneath a chair uh, close by you. We study verse by verse through a book of the scripture, and this is where we happen to be today uh, in our study through Galatians. I have nothing in particular that prompted this message other than preaching through Galatians today. So we're looking at chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Uh, The title of this message is Intolerable. Uh, If you think about it even for a moment, you know that's a provocative title in an age of tolerance, that all we are supposed to do is to tolerate everything that we hear and everything that is uh, brought before us. But as followers of Christ, we are not to be an intolerant people. There are things for us as followers of Jesus that are intolerable. And today we want to think about one of those things or an arena of things in false teaching. So Galatians 5, 1 through 12, I invite you to stand as we acknowledge this is the word of God. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed for Christ, from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Let's pray. Lord, we ask now that you would lead us into all truth, that you would guide us as we need to think distinctly as your distinct people about how we relate to and how we deal with teaching that is contrary to the gospel. Speak to us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So here's the main point of this message, that those who trust in Christ must reject false messages and false messengers. We looked at this transitional statement in verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So that's an application to the freedom that Christ has given us. It's the application of the gospel, that we're to stand firm and not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So what we're looking at today is what standing firm and not submitting look like. But before we do, 
Let's remember what we're standing firm on. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. So we stand firm on the gospel, but which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And we write growth group material that complements and goes along with the sermon each week that's studied in our growth groups. This week, the subject of the growth group is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And here is the thrust behind what we're doing. I am talking this morning about rejecting false messages and false messengers. What we want to focus on in growth group is not parsing what false messengers are preaching What we want to do is how they teach you to identify counterfeit currency. You learn learn to identify counterfeit currency by learning what real currency looks like, what it feels like, the small markings of it. So the way you learn to identify a false gospel is you've got to first know what the gospel is. And we've been doing an experiment around Parkwood now for several months, just asking the people this simple question, what is the gospel? I'm talking about Parkwood now. I'm not talking about man on the street. And I'm not trying to be harsh and condemning and point down. I just got to say it. We're getting a lot of nice Southern answers. Brothers and sisters, how can you believe something you cannot articulate? We're, We're not believing a Southern platitude. We are trusting that Jesus Christ died for our sin according to the scripture. We are trusting that Jesus was buried and on the third day rose again, just as the scripture said he was, would, and just as the scripture has identified. This is where we place our trust and hope, in Christ alone. So let us learn what the gospel is and how we articulate the gospel so that when we see a false gospel, we know what it is. Two main points in the text in verses two following. Altering the gospel is intolerable. Paul here is being direct, heartfelt, and giving a warning because the the actions of the Galatians carry the gravest consequences. What are the implications and consequences of altering the gospel? Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Now, I've said this before in this series, and I want to help you if you're new today. Circumcision is not the issue in this church. It is not the issue in Gaston County. It is not the false gospel issue in America. It's not something you're dealing with. So we got to look underneath what's happening at Galatia when Paul writes and ask the question, what is driving the acceptance of circumcision? So here's the issue. You either trust Christ completely for your salvation or you keep the law completely. Keeping the law means that you do things or don't do things so that you add up your points and at the end, God says, good enough. Well, there is no good enough. The only good enough is complete. You either 
trust Christ or you keep the law completely. So here's what I'm arguing. This is what Paul's arguing. Either your faith rests on Christ alone or it doesn't rest on Christ at all. I'll repeat that one more time. Your faith either rests on Christ alone or it does not rest on Christ at all. Circumcision was not about a physical act. It was not about a ceremony. It was a theological symbol. Circumcision stood for a particular type of religion. It is salvation by good works. If you do this, then you are saved. And Paul says, unless you're circumcised and keep the whole law, you cannot be saved. So what they were declaring is this, that faith in Christ was insufficient for salvation. For the Galatians to accept this heretical theology and the practice derived from it would mean that they were rejecting God's all-sufficient provision for salvation through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. I'm summarizing a rather long statement from Timothy Keller. When you add to Christ, you subtract Christ. Or let me say it this way. Christ plus anything equals nothing. Christ plus anything equals nothing. Now folks, in these first few verses, it all comes down to this simple phrase right here. Christ will be of no advantage to you. I'm going to go a little bit further with my arguments. This is the last sermon. You always get a little extra. People say, oh, you didn't say that. I didn't have time. So take a few seconds here. I don't think modern people are really concerned with God. Modern people are concerned with themselves. And what they want is a Christ who's advantageous to their self-actualization of making them a better you. So if you read this verse that Christ would be of no advantage to you and you're saying, well, I think Jesus makes me a better person. That's not the gospel. But Christ would be of no advantage to you is not talking about today. Here's what Paul's talking about. All of history is moving toward one moment. It is the culmination of time and the coming of Christ and the great judgment. And what Paul is saying, if you add to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you stand before God, the you here in this verse, Christ will be of no advantage to you is singular, not plural. He will be of no advantage to you singular when you stand before God on that day. If you add to the gospel, if you buy a false gospel, Verse four, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law and have fallen away from grace. Now, for those of you who hold to a theology that says you can lose your salvation, you're gonna say, look right here, Paul's saying you can lose it. You can get severed from Christ and fall away from grace. Here's what Paul's saying. You never trusted in Christ alone at all. It came along, you 
heard the gospel, you heard it as, hey, I need to add that onto my life. That'll be helpful. All the while you were searching for something else. You were looking for something else. You were waiting for the next offer. And when the next offer came, you took it. I've written in the, core, in, the, in the margin of my Bible, the core issue is this phrase, justified by the law. It's whatever you think declares you righteous. Justification, biblical justification, Christ's justification is the gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous solely through faith in Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, it is impossible to receive Christ, thereby acknowledging that you cannot save yourself and then receive circumcision. Remember, circumcision stands for anything that says you can save yourself and then receive circumcision and claim that you can save yourself. If that's what you embrace, hear me carefully and hear me clearly. This is the argument of Galatians 5 you will be left to fend for yourself on that day. This is heavy. This is serious. But then you come to verse five and there's hope. It's the hope of the gospel. Paul says, through the, through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So here's, here's the deal. When you stand before God, he's not going to say, hey, did you not get circumcised? Or let's, let's put it in good old Southern language, okay? Did you not cuss? Did you stop dancing? Did you quit going to movies? Well, okay, you can come in. What Paul's saying is, it's neither what you did or what you didn't do that counts. I love that. Counts. God's not keeping score. Doesn't count. But only faith working through love. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So the hope of righteousness is not through what I do or what I obey. It's through believing that those who trust in Christ rely on the Holy Spirit, not on their flesh, not on their self-effort. The hope that we eagerly await is the hope of every believer in Christ the final verdict of righteousness. Now, I'm not saying that we, the moment we believe, are not made righteous right now. Sometimes it's unclear to us. It's true. Sometimes it's unclear to us. Sometimes it's unclear to others. But on that day, when you stand before God, it will be undeniable. As he declares you righteous through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The core issue is what is the source of righteousness? It is Christ alone through the work of the Holy Spirit. So I have a question here. Paul raises it. It's subtle. And this is where he's going next. This is where we're headed. So here's the question. Does that mean once you become a Christian, you can do whatever you want to do? 
and you can act however you want to act. It's all faith. You know what Paul says here? No. Don't you malign the gospel. Here's how you know that the spirit through faith is working. It's working through love. Faith is the root. Love is the fruit. This is where he's headed. Galatians 5.22, for the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no what? Law. I think that verse is finally going to mean something to you once we work through Galatians verse by verse. Against such things, there is no law. It is the work of the spirit of God. This is where we're headed the next few weeks, so I come back to the message. Remember, our main point here is that those who trust in Christ must reject false messages and false messengers. So any teaching or teacher that alters the gospel is intolerable. Paul first takes us down the path of the pervasive nature of tolerated false teaching. Now, let me take a sidebar for a moment because this text is not directly addressing this. You were at Parkwood in the fall. Dr. Shaddix did a great job walking you through 2 Peter, looking at what a false teacher is. So let me just take a few moments and answer the question, how do I know what someone is teaching is false? The answer is, if what they teach adds to or contradicts the scripture, it's false. God has spoken to you, friends. And here's how most false teachers get their start and get their following. Well, God's given me a new word. Ooh, I was in my room and I kind of levitated over the floor and I got a new word. What you better do is you better run the hurricane flag warning ups, not only so that you're seeing something, that everybody else around you is seeing the flag flopping the wind. Something right here is about to come we better watch out for. If what I or anyone else says adds to what God has said or takes what God has said and contradicts, twists, and subtracts from it, that is false teaching. And it is intolerable. It hit Twittersphere this week of a local dynamic famous preacher who of an own advertisement of last week's sermon was put out on Twitter. It raised all kinds of concerns. Some of his sermons have been taken and pieced together and he's reacted to them as it's not false gospel, but they put this one together themselves. People were reacting like crazy and I decided to be faithful knowing what I was preaching and I would sit down and listen to the entire message. It started out wonderful with the Bible and then turned it on its head. You can listen to it yourself. It flips it on its head and completely contradicts what the Bible teaches. That is false teaching. That is intolerable. So let me say it clearly to you brothers and sisters. If you're listening to and reading someone whom you know part of what they say is false, stop it. You say, man, they're they're such great communicators. Hey, this dude is the best communicator in America as far as I'm concerned. Incredible communication skills. 
That's not the issue. The issue is the content of what is being said. Because false teaching has a pervasive nature to it. Here's what it does. Its origin coming from the false teacher is not from God. The persuasion is not from him who calls you. So here's here's the logic. If you say yes to a false teacher, if you open yourself up to a false teacher, you are saying no to God. You're rejecting what God says and the results are, number one, you'll be hindered from obeying the truth. This is, this is a very specific word in the Greek. They've chosen to use the word hindered to communicate, but literally in the Greek, it's a double entendre, I believe by Paul. He says, you've been cut off. It's a running illustration. So don't think 100 meters, don't even think 400 meters where everybody stays in their lane. Think 1600 meter race. You know, they all start out in the lane, race starts, they run a few feet, then they all get lined up, right? They run, they run, they run, they run. They stay together in a pack, the people in shape anyway, until they get down to the last lap or two. Then somebody moves out to the side. They try to get ahead. Wherever they are, when it's coming to the end of the race, they cut in. More than once in these big, long races, you've seen people get cut off, people trip and fall. So here's what Paul's saying. You guys are running the race. You started out in the race and up beside of you became the false teachers. And boy, they're pretty. They got up beside of you and here's what they did. They cut you off. They've tripped you up. They're confusing you. Then he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This is frightening. So I think one of the best things Parkwood does is growth groups. One of the most dangerous things we do at growth groups. You know why? Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Starts over here with one person tolerating false teaching. They drag that false teaching in among their level of influence. That leaven begins to spread in that group of people and then it jumps out to other people. That's why we as a church must, when we see false teaching and false doctrine, address it and treat it as intolerable. So we see the pervasive nature that it hinders and it spreads. Now let's look at the penalty for proclaiming an altered gospel. The one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Now you're gonna have to the service come up and say, who are you talking about? Just find out for yourself. Okay, don't ask me. Paul doesn't name the person here. He's naming the teaching. The teaching is the issue. It's not me telling you, don't listen to so-and-so. I'm telling you, don't listen to false teaching. False teaching comes from a false teacher and God's gonna deal with the false teachers. The most sobering tweet was from a brother in Florida this week who said, I fear for him. Not because what other people are gonna raise up and do, they're gonna stand before God. Paul says, 
Verse 12, man, this is a provocative sentence. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Here's what he's saying. Go all the way. Just go all the way. You can do the logic. You can figure that out. The subject circumcision. Go all the way. When I was a teenager, there used to be a preacher on TV. He was local. His name was Sweet Daddy Grace. Y'all remember Sweet Daddy Grace? Some older people do. At least Sweet Daddy Grace was honest. At least he was honest. He'd say, send me money. Sweet Daddy Grace needs a new Cadillac. I'm serious. He would just, at least he was honest. At least he went all the way. At least he said, this is what we're for. This is what it's about. Galatians chapter one, verse eight. Even if we are an angel from heaven. Do you hear what Paul does there? He puts himself in this category. Even if, if we, if, if I or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed. Anathema. Judged by God. Now, this was an entire application message. Don't tolerate false teaching. Let's go a little bit further and see the other application that Paul draws in this text. I see at least two things. First, proclaiming the unaltered gospel will lead to offense and persecution. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? And let's just pause right there. So the, one of the part of what the Judaizers were saying in Galatians, Paul preaches this. Y'all just didn't get it. I say, Paul, Paul believes the same thing. Paul's saying, if I believe what they're preaching, then in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So to preach circumcision is to tell sinners that they can save themselves by their own good works. To preach Christ crucified is to tell them they cannot save themselves and that only Christ can save them through his work on the cross. Circumcision or any thought like that that you can save yourself nullifies the scandal of the cross because it establishes righteousness based on human ability. If righteousness comes by the law, then the goodness of human beings is celebrated and then promoted. So here's the simple logic. That's what Paul's saying. If I'm, being per if I'm preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? The answer is, Paul was preaching the cross. And because Paul was preaching the cross, he was being persecuted. Corinth was actually closer to the United States than Galatia. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Corinth was a very worldly metropolitan port city where all sorts of sin abounded. And Paul says to them, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
So what he's saying is, is that to the man of the world, whether he's a religious man who's seeking to save himself or he's a very worldly man who's just saying, yeah, let's, let's, let, let me hear about your Christianity. I'm open to all kinds of thoughts and ideas. When you get to the cross, it's offensive to both of those people. And that offense leads to persecution. So I'll ask you this question. Don't answer me out loud. Just think about it. What do people in Gastonia really want to hear? What do people in the Charlotte region really want to hear? What do people in the United States really want to hear? What they can do or what Christ has done? (laughs) You need to know that the dominant false teachers in America have thousands upon thousands of more Facebook and Twitter followers than any Bible gospel-centered preacher in the United States. You know why? Because they're saying what people want to hear. The center of the message is what you can do. It's what you can accomplish. It's what... God can do for you. Not about salvation. It's about making you a better you. So here's the question then. How do you avoid offending? How do you avoid being persecuted? And the answer is, you alter the gospel. You say the name Jesus And then you say exactly what people want to hear. You turn it in such a way that people applaud you. They flock to you. Man, that's incredible. This is a rather long quote. Hang with me. Ours is an age of tolerance. Men love to have the best of both worlds and hate to be forced to choose. It is commonly said that it does not matter what people believe so long as they are sincere and that it is unwise to clarify issues too plainly or to focus on them too sharply. Christianity will not allow us to sit on the fence or to live in a haze. It urges us to be definite, decisive, and in particular to choose between Christ and circumcision. Circumcision stands for the religion of human achievement or what man can do by his own good works. Christ stands for divine achievement. Christ stands for what God has done. The finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it is that cross that we must proclaim, that we must preach, no matter the cost. So let me be clear today. I have very few Twitter followers. That used to bother me when Twitter first came out. I will not answer to the Lord God Almighty for how many Twitter followers I have. I will answer to the Lord God Almighty of whether or not I have trusted in Christ alone for my salvation and for how I've handled preaching the gospel, James. So brothers and sisters, let me go back to the beginning of the message. 
Your southern platitudes are not the gospel. I've asked you this question before. How can you believe something you cannot explain? We must understand and we must articulate this gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but this sermon was, man, it's kind of been a hard week. All this junk that happened, been hard, and a lot of stuff happening. I come to this false message. I can sense the weight on you in here. You know, some of you don't like me. That's all right. That's all right. I, I can sense the weight in here. So I'm going to preach to myself, and you can join me for this last point. Okay? You ready? The gospel will prevail in the Lord's people and in the world. Paul says in verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. I have confidence in the Lord. Philippians 1, 6, for I'm confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you, who started the good work? God, this is an issue this is a major issue. Is salvation you're doing or God's doing? He who began a good, you didn't start it, God did. He who began a good work in you will carry to completion, end of the verse, until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day of the final verdict. I will go to bed with confidence tonight. I will, I will rest in the confidence of what God has started in you, God will finish. And I will rest in the confidence that what God has started in his people, in the world, God will finish. Matthew chapter 28. By the way, notice how many times these, these self-actualizing false teachers will quote the end of Matthew 28. I am with you always. As if God is with you to make you rich and wealthy and powerful. Listen, friends, God is with you for his purpose. You get this? Not your purpose, his purpose. And here's his purpose. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna take biblical truth here and I'm gonna use my imagination for a moment and I'm gonna tell you the difference. I'm gonna stand before God. You are gonna stand before God and the verdict is coming. And because with confidence, not in anything that I've done, I can stand before you this day and say with confidence, trusting in Christ alone, God is going to say, righteous. If you can't say that with confidence, friend, you're still thinking there's something you need to do. You're still believing circumcision. There is nothing you can do. Righteous. That's from scripture, righteous. Imagination. I don't know how long it's gonna take me to get over that moment, 
cool. But when I get my wits again, maybe it's instant. When I get my wits again and my eyes cast around me, I'm going to see men and women from every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every land. What I cannot see today, I will see on that day. That God did what he said he would do. That he would save a multitude of people. And all for his glory. I've read the book. I implore you, read the book. And some of these false teachers talk as if Satan's going to win. And you need to kick him in the teeth and that kind of stuff. Hear me. Jesus has crushed his head. And he will cast him into a bottomless pit forever and ever because Jesus wins. So, amen. I'm disturbed by false teachers. I need to reject false teachers and so do you. They're not gonna win. So let us then rest in the gospel. Here's my question to you. Are you trusting in Christ alone? I got an email this week. God's been sitting through this whole series telling me how Christ has enlightened his heart and mind to understand he was still thinking he could add something to it. I dare say there's a bunch of you still in here. Look to Christ and believe. There'll be pastors here to pray with you. I'll be in the lobby to pray with you. You can do what this guy did. You can email me. We can start a conversation that way. Let's pray. Father, I plead for men and women to repent of their sin and to trust in Christ, to look to Jesus and to Jesus alone for salvation. I plead for men and women who have been allured by the, by the sweet sounds of false teachers that they would reject them and look to Christ alone. Oh God, do your work in your people and we trust and we believe that your gospel will prevail in your people and in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.